and we're live what's going on d-bags hope you guys are doing well back at it again with another episode of the detox podcast i'm your host darren rita feel free to connect with me at any of the links down below and if you're new here and you enjoy music podcasts or comedy do consider subscribing because we do a whole lot of that around here now before i introduce you guys to my guests this week i want to talk to you guys a little bit about car insurance these days it seems as if we're able to do more and more from home so while you're at home, why aren't you saving money in your car insurance? Your hometown agency, Kenosha Auto Insurance, has specialized for years in simple, hassle-free car insurance using the latest and touch-free technology to help you and your family get the best rates. So what are you waiting for? Give them a call today at 262-448-4141. That's 448-4141. The website is kenoshains.com. It's on the screen right now. Uh, one last time, 262-448-4141. Give them a call. Tell them D-Rita, D-Talk sent you, and they will set you up, I promise. Now, with all of that out of the way, I am pumped to introduce you guys to my guest this week. He is an award-winning craft brewer, an entrepreneur, and a husband. The operator and owner of cider of the first cidery in the Chicago area of Right B Cider, let's give a wet detox welcome to Charlie Davis. And there's no clap track, but we clap it up anyways. How are you, Charlie? Good. How are you doing? I'm great, man. I'm great. You know, we were just chatting before we went live and uh, I really, I think it's pretty fascinating. A lot of the stuff you've been able to accomplish with Right B, you're decked out in the gear today. And, uh, you know, I want for people that don't really know and aren't, aren't really sure what what uh, Right B Cider is. Do you want to give them like the the pitch for that right now? What What is Right B Cider? Well, you said it yourself. We're the first cidery in the city of Chicago. My wife and I started Right B Cider in 2014. Uh, we make a variety of different ciders. We have a small tasting room here on the northwest side of the city. And um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's called Right B Cider because it sounds like right beside her. It's the same cider I made for my wife when we first met. So, yeah, that's super cool. And we're gonna get it. We're gonna get into some of that that backstory in a little bit. I want to know, um, you know, for for people that that may be familiar with a a brewery, um, but maybe not so much of a, a cidery. What what are like the the key differences other than obviously you're making cider instead of beer? Yeah, so making cider is actually closer, close, more closely related to making uh, wine. So it's just like wine making, but instead of grapes, we're using apples. Okay. Um, yeah. Very cool. So, like, obviously, you know, you've had a. We we talked about this before, and I mentioned it in the intro. But uh, you've been in brewing and in, you know the adult beverages and whatnot you've been bartending and then you know making craft uh um beers for a long time how how long have you been kind of interested and or involved in this field um well my uh my interest in craft beer kind of comes from my dad i really got into craft beer when i was in college and i've been working in the craft beer and beer industry uh, the cider industry since I graduated, which was in 2009. So it's been, um, you know, actually even before that, when I was in college, I had an internship at a craft brewery in Bloomington, Indiana. So it's probably, probably been 12 or 13 years that I've been working in the industry. What do they have you do at an internship, um, for a, for a craft brewery? Well, they, it was a craft brewery and then they also had like a, a pizza place in their company umbrella. So a lot of what I was do is doing was kind of 
bringing swag around to the dorms and letting people know about um, about the place. And then uh, just kind of behind the scenes stuff, I was setting up, uh, you know, setting up displays and things like that at the at the um, at the restaurant. It was like a marketing internship, if you will. Okay. Okay, yeah. so kind of getting, getting, making sure they they had all the appeal down that they needed to get, you know, showing showing face and whatnot. Yeah. What what um, like how has been like you were a, I I'm reading on your website it says that you were an award winning, uh, craft brewer. What kind of awards have you won, and how is that process done? Um, <clears throat> I've won a few different ones. One of the awards I won was for. Uh, a festival that they have every year. It's called FOBAB, the Festival of Barrel Age Beers. And in 2010, I won a silver medal in the classic beer category for my barrel age Doppelbach that I made. Um, and then, oh, cool. yeah. And then after that, we, you know, every brewery I've worked at, we've always submitted beers to uh, award festivals and stuff like that so for my my stout that i made in 2012 or 2011 i won uh, a silver medal at the u.s beer open championships for that for that beer and then um and then yeah recently um we've been submitting our ciders to what's called the great lakes international cider and perry competition glint cap and we've won a number of awards uh, through that as well. And then, um, yeah. Holy so. Ca- so how does like, w- um, when, do they have like a, is there like an elected, um, I guess are there like judges that are kind of just agreed upon that they have like a, a taste and a palate for these different things? And how are things judged? Is there like a people's award and things like that? Yeah, it, the, like Glint Cap for instance is, it's industry people that are knowledgeable about cider and yeah, they basically sit around in a room all day and drink cider and, and rate them. That's a pretty sweet gig right there. Yeah. (laughs) And then I know for Fobab, I think you have to be, there's actually a certification that you can get in beer. It's a BACP certification or something. I, I'm not familiar. Um, but yeah, same, same thing. They just kind of sit around in a room all day and try different beers and and rate them. And, that's an yeah. insane that's a an insanely fun uh job right there that's yeah i mean it's it, i'm sure you can you know dreams do come true i'm sure if you work hard <laughs> enough darren you can, but, you can that's be fair. A i don't i don't personally drink but i just think that for, for those that do that's got to be uh like a, a dream job of of sorts um so you you know you you're just kind of you mentioned already that the first cider you made for your wife was uh is, is the kind of what spawned all of this and, and kind of got the ball rolling. How did you two meet? And then how long after that did you decide, um, after you know you had kind of given her the cider or whatnot, were you guys like, maybe we should make this into a business? <laughs> um, so we we met through a mutual friend. I My roommate after college uh, was one of her friends from high school. So uh, she, you know, she was actually in grad school in Omaha, Nebraska um she's originally from seattle was in grad school in omaha and then she came to visit her friend will who was my roommate um here in chicago and so we met we were friends for a while 
and you know i i thought it could be more than just friends but you never know and so her birthday was coming up and our birthdays are actually only three days apart so she was coming to chicago she was gonna celebrate her birthday in chicago we were gonna have like a joint birthday party and so i decided to make her a cider for her birthday i had never made a cider before but i thought how hard could it be um <laughs> and she i knew she liked ciders because i was a beer brewer and i had all this beer at my disposal and she drank none of it uh she only drank cider so I decided to try my hand at making cider and I pulled out an unmarked bottle of cider on her birthday and she was like, uh, I'm going to have to act like I like this, um, assumed it was going <laughs> to be terrible, but it yeah. actually it turned out pretty well. So she liked it. Um, and then we actually started dating shortly thereafter um, because, I don't know, she obviously felt obligated after that. Yeah, start. after the one the one good cider, <laughs> she's like, I get you know, I guess I gotta give this guy a couple yeah, of dates. Give it a shot, yeah. And uh we start so we started dating shortly thereafter, and then we um we got engaged because we had been friends for probably a year or so before we started dating, and then we got engaged um probably like six or eight months after we started dating. <laughs> um it was fast. And then we we decided uh, after I don't know probably a year and a half of of being of dating and being engaged and all that stuff to to start our business. So we actually got married in oh god May of two thousand fourteen, and <laughs> she's, she's we're coming up on an anniversary here pretty soon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for the reminder. Um, and then we started the business that fall. So we, we started the wow. business like six months after we got married. It was a wild year. I'm um, sure. So it's really been like part of our relationship ever since we, ever since we met. That's really interesting it, it, having it kind of work that way. Cause that's what I was going to, you know, I wanted to ask you how, how is it going into business with, you know, your significant other? Cause I'm sure, you know, um, there are a lot of people who, who maybe start their own business and, and, you know, significant others obviously going to help out, especially if you're an owner, like you're, that you're going to bring some of that home with you. People are going to, you're going to talk about it, you know, and take advice and whatnot, but like going into business together, how has, uh, how has that been? How does that work? It's interesting. I mean, we get that question all the time. Katie gets it a lot and she actually wrote an article for uh, like Cidercraft magazine or, or, uh, cider culture. One of the, the, industry industry uh magazines and was talking about specifically working with your spouse running a business with your spouse and it's it's great it's actually i think you know it's it's actually really good for our relationship it's it's hard sometimes to because let's face it like sometimes you're a spouse sometimes you know you're a husband or a wife or whatever. And then other times you're a business partner and you have to really make that distinction. And when your business partner, your coworker is being critical of you, you have to remember that that's not your wife or your husband talking to you. That's your business partner. And you have to remember to kind of separate that and not take it personally. Um, I could see that being an issue for myself. I feel like I would 
I would I would struggle with that. Maybe in in the line of duty in creating and crafting ciders, if I was getting told, I don't know how I would take it. So props to you yeah, guys. Yeah, I mean, there are times that I I haven't I've I've done a poor job or I haven't done things the right way, and Katie calls me on my BS. And there are times where she's slacking, and I have to say something, and and you know, just you have to take it as a you know a business review instead of a personal attack on your yeah. from your spouse, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but the other aspect of that is, you know, when I go home, I don't really have to let her know how the day was because she knows already, you know, she, we don't have to, you don't have to come home from a, a shitty day at work and have to re re experience that all over again. Um, Cause she's been, you know, plugged in that entire time. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, it's been good for our relationship. I think it would be really difficult if she was a business owner and I wasn't, or I was a business owner and she wouldn't, wasn't, because I don't think that no matter what you say, that other person is truly going to understand what you're going through. They're not going to understand that stress. They're not going to understand, you know, the highest highs that you're feeling, the lowest lows that you're feeling. Um, unless they're part of that. And so I think it's really, that's, I don't really see how it could, how it could work any other way. Um, you know, so it's, it's great. I like it. Yeah. I think the way you kind of put that last part, especially is, uh, is very important. I think a lot of people don't really understand that and, and owning your own business will, will teach you stuff like that. Um, it can be, it can be lonely. I mean, it can be a lonely experience being a business owner and, um, not truly understand, like not truly feeling like even like your closest friends and your family understand what you're going through. But if you have a teammate, um, like that, then that's great. You know, are you guys able to, you know, this is something my, my parents, when I grew up, they owned, um, their own small business. Um, are you guys able to, and I know they definitely struggled with this. Are you guys able to turn it off easily when you guys go home, when you're done for work for the day, or you guys are, are kind of calling it a night and you're, you're going in or you're out on a date. Do you guys have to catch yourself? Is it hard to be like, so-and-so texted me, they're having a problem. We should get down there right now. Or is it, is it, you guys able to do that? Okay. We, we don't honestly. And, but it's okay. I mean, Mm -hmm. there, there are aspects of that, that, you know, there are times when I, you know, I don't want to talk business or, you know, we can just say that. And, you know, we could just, click on the TV or hang out and talk about other things. You know, we have, now we have two kids too. So we have, we have a lot of different things to talk about. Um, yeah, that's fair. But um, the other thing is like this business, if we, we kind of, we got to the point where a lot of our date nights kind of revolved around the business. We would go, we would go hit an account for dinner or something and have a cider and, and, inevitably talk about business, talk about other things, but it, it's kind of just part of our life. And so I, I wouldn't say we really click it off ever. It's always, it's always, it's always all business all the time, but, um, but it's what you guys are passionate about too, though. So I think that helps, right? Yeah. It doesn't feel, it's just part of our life and it doesn't feel like it's like, Oh, we got to talk, talk business. It's, it's kind of just, it's what we do and it's a big part of our identity. And so it, it's, it's fine. You know? Yeah. That makes sense too. In what you were saying before about, you know, you guys both kind of 
um, you know, how a business loaner, a business owner could be lonely in, in that sense. And maybe like things are always on your mind, uh, regardless if you're trying to turn it off or not. And this way you literally have somebody who is going through the exact same thing. And you guys, even when you, you guys can enjoy yourselves and kind of experience and, you know, talk about those other things from time to time while you're doing other things and whatnot. Yeah. Which is cool. That's really cool. What, um, what, what's been like the, the biggest hurdle in, in starting your own cidery in, in Chicago? Uh, oh boy. Um, well for us, for us, we've always been pretty bootstrapped. So, um, early on, you know, we, we, I'm, I'm a, I have a brewing background, Katie's backgrounds in nursing. So, you know, we started this with what we had and used what we had and did what we could. And so I think for us, like we're kind of, we've always kind of played with a handicap. So we've been underfunded and, you know, their equipment hasn't always been the best and, but we've, we've made it work. And, and now, you know, we have a couple of great people working for us and our, our product is super consistent and our equipment is getting better and our, our, um, you know, it, it just, that I think has been the biggest hurdle is just kind of, uh, rolling with the punches and, and trying to figure out, you know, how can we, how, how can we reinvest money into the company and keep things moving forward? Um, and still not, you know, lose our shirt or anything like that. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. They used to talk about reinvesting into the, into the company and whatnot. Um, that's something that a lot of, uh, a lot of people that give advice for, for entrepreneurs, for people going into their own businesses and whatnot, um, often talk a lot about is, is, you know, how much there's a lot of people that maybe they make a little bit of money and they want to go on X amount of vacations a year. Instead, they could have, you know, maybe gone on one vacation and, and put more into the business. So then the next year they're not flying by the seat of their, you know, their pants is quite as much if it was such a struggle. Yeah. And I I think to the, the point of the business for us right now isn't to make money. I mean, the business has to make money to survive, obviously, right? But not for me personally to make a ton of money right now. Um, The point is to grow the business as fast as we can right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that'll all come if, you know, if if I had a crystal ball, I'd really like to see it. But, um, but yeah, the point is to just to put it all back in and try to try to use that to to grow the company, not to grow, you know, our personal bank accounts right now. So mm-hmm. what's the process what of like trying to get into more and more um, places in, in and around Chicago? And are you guys like planning on maybe trying to move outward and, and branch out, you know, into other states and whatnot? Yeah, we we recently started talking about that. So in, in Chicago, we actually work with a network of distributors we're statewide right now so we work with a network of distributors and we sell our product to the distributors and they distribute it to the you know bars restaurants liquor stores grocery stores whatever the sales process is different for all of them for your big chains like jewel mariano's and whole foods there's like an annual meeting that you have to go to and you present your products and then they get authorized for like and it all takes place like six or eight months before the stuff even hits the shelf. So you have to plan ahead. And then there's other places like your independent, your independent places and your, your bars and restaurants where you just got to go in there and, and try to get in front of the right person and excuse me, and have a, have a meeting with them and 
sample all your product and, and cross your fingers that they buy it. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of, it's a lot of lead work and sometimes you get a run around and people say they'll buy it and they'll, they won't buy it. And they you know, they'll say they'll do something and they do something else or you got to go back in a few times to, to get them to finally pull the trigger. But it, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, it's just, it's like work. I mean, it's, it's all it is. I could, yeah, I can imagine, you know, that could definitely be, um, something that would be sort of tough to kind of figure out and maneuver your way around. I'm sure you def- definitely get some runarounds like you were saying. Um, I just asked cause I, um, I w- I worked as a bartender. Uh, I did craft cocktails at this place called the Maxwell mansion in Lake Geneva. And in Lake Geneva, we get a lot of people from the Chicago area coming up mm-hmm. to spend weekends and spend, you know, spend a week or so in the summertime, especially. And a lot of people are, are asking like they, they want, to enjoy Lake Geneva, but they also want their craft brewery. Like they all want their special beers and whatnot. And we actually carried quite a few of like Chicago um, places that like beers and whatnot that were like craft beers from Chicago. Um, I'm trying to remember if is is Antihero is that a, is that out of Chicago? Or oh is yeah, that... that's a Revolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like we we carried a couple of their products and stuff like that. And so that's why I, I was curious. You know, I know there's a lot of people. Um, you know, in this area who are probably listening to this podcast and whatnot that, you know, go to Lake Geneva or go to Chicago and whatnot and, and would probably love to try out your guys' stuff. So, yeah, we, Wisconsin's been, well, a lot of the out of state distribution we, we put on hold until we move into cans and we just moved into cans. So we just kind of started talking to people out of state about potentially carrying our products. And, and so that, that could be a really, a realistic thing here in the, the coming months. Um, you know, in Southwest Michigan is a lot like that too. You know, you have people that go to, you know, Holland, New Holland or um, St. Joe and, you know, those, um, those little, little towns in Southwest Michigan that are kind of, you know, it's a Touristy lot like towns like that. Like yeah. Yeah. Kind of like Lake Geneva. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so we're we're exploring that. Uh, Super cool. But I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. What I, that's fair. At. I I know a couple of people, so if you if you have any, if you guys are ever thinking about it, let me know because I, I yeah. Know a couple if of people. you know if you know a distributor that you can put us in contact with, we'd be happy to happy to have the conversation. Yeah, that'd be super cool. It it would just be cool to see your guys' stuff continue to like you said, you're trying to grow it as fast as you can right now. So I think that's really cool. Um, mm-hmm. What what other obviously other than kind of putting boots on the ground and trying to get into as many places as you can? What other ways can you can you really go about growing um, a cidery or growing like the product and getting it out more? Well, I think, I mean, we've we do a lot of different things. So one thing we're working on is is uh, like a collaboration with a local like soap making company. They're going to make a soap out of um, you know some of some of our ciders have some like floral notes and stuff like that. So they're going to try to take like the essence of what our cider is and put it into a soap and like, just get more awareness by creating synergy with companies that you wouldn't normally think to, to partner up with, um, doing podcasts, (laughs) um, getting on podcasts. Um, and, and I think really making really hammering, our consistency down and getting a good solid consistent product and you know winning those awards and getting getting recognized for being a, you know having a quality product and i think you know 
we've always been product focused and product first. And, and I think, you know, if you have the good products and you know, the award winning products and the, the best products in the market, then all that will, will come eventually. But uh, yeah, I think that's the right way to go about it too. I think that's the perfect mindset to have towards it. What, um, you know, you, you mentioned before you guys just switched to cans and we talked before we went live, um, that, you know, you guys do everything yourselves. Um, what, what does it take? Like, can you run me through like the, the step-by-step for me to get uh, a can of right B cider? Like, how does that, how does that start? Cause I know you guys have like the beehives on top of the roof and everything. And, and that stuff is just mind blowing to me. So I, I think people would like to hear that. Sure. So we get uh, fresh pressed apple must, apple juice, apple cider, whatever you want to call it, from Southwest Michigan. And um, like a big tanker truck pulls up outside our building. And we have all of our, we have about 5,000, 6,000 gallons worth of fermentation capacity with our fermentation tanks. And wow. we sanitize them all, pump the, pump the juice in and, and warm it up to uh, fermentation temperature. And then the next day we'll come in and we'll do, uh, we'll hydrate our yeast and pitch our yeast into, into the, the cider. And then from there on for the next three days, every 12 hours, we have to come in and do a nutrient addition. So if we, if we pitch at um, seven o'clock in the evening, the next day, somebody has to be there at seven o'clock in the morning to do a nutrient addition. And then we do that throughout halfway to, until halfway through fermentation and then we just kind of let it do its thing. What is a nutrient addition? So we, it's, so we use uh, a couple different products, but they're essentially, they're just dead yeast cells. It's all like organic matter that we add and the yeast actually will use it to um, stay healthy throughout fermentation. Cause wow. if you have a, if you have a poor fermentation, you might not catch it right away, but two weeks down the road, you're going to start getting some weird off flavors, like some, you know, some off flavors in cider would be like, uh, like a, like a sulfury, like rotten egg smell and stuff Ooh, like yeah. that. You don't stuff want that. You that. don't want. Yeah. So you, you have to make sure the yeast is ha- happy and healthy throughout the fermentation process. And so we do everything in our, in our power to make sure that happens so that, you know, we, we don't have to do any doctoring after the fact. Um, so that, that fermentation process takes about a week, 10 days. And then, and then we have to, uh, we cold crash it. So we drop the temperature on the tanks and that causes all the, the yeast and sediment and everything to drop to the bottom of the tank. Um, and we, we let it age for about a week. So we're at about two weeks. Um, and then we'll, um, so the whole process from beginning to end will take about, um, two to three weeks, about 15 to 20 days. And, um, and then, yeah, then we'll, we'll actually do a sanitary transfer from our fermentation tanks into our blending tanks. And that's where we add all of our, uh, peripheral ingredients. So like for the blossom example, for example, we use lemon myrtle and cherry blossom and our rooftop honey. And we pack this uh, this little. It basically looks like a little keg, and it has an inlet in the top and an outlet on the bottom. And we just recirculate the cider through the keg with the ingredients in there, and it infuses the ingredients into the tank. 
Um, and then we carbonate it in the tank and then it's ready to package. And we have a small little canning line. We have three or four guys on a canning day come in and yeah, we just hook, hook a hose up to the tank and hook the other end of the hose up to the canning line and we're off to the races. Um, wow. That's crazy. And you guys do all the packaging yourself too, then on the cans or are the cans, like, do you have to get your own custom cans or you kind of, I think you were saying you put like a label, your own labels on them. Yeah, they're labeled. So we have, um, we, we have a, a inline labeling machine. So the cans go through, they get filled, um, sealed, rinsed off, and then they hit the labeling machine and it wraps the label around them. And, and yeah, we got, a guy at the end of the line taking the six pack holders and snapping them onto the top of the, the cans and putting them in boxes and building pallets. So that's crazy. It's just cool that it's cool to even that like you guys are so involved in, in every step of the process, you know, is there anything like in particular, um, maybe it could be like the littlest thing, even having, you know, your own logo on, on your hoodie or whatnot. Is there any, like, what's like maybe like a weirdly satisfying thing, for you as a business owner of right beside her that maybe uh, like other people wouldn't get. I mean, I think, I think people can probably understand like walking into a bar or a restaurant and having done a, maybe not even knowing that they are currently carrying your product, but walking in there and then seeing an open bottle or an open can on the table of one of their customers. And you're just like, Whoa, that is, that's pretty weird. That's cool. That's really uh, cool. That's really cool. What, like, yeah. so, I mean, it's crazy to think that you guys were, you guys got married and then six months later decided, like, we're opening this business. How, how, like, early, um, was, were you guys considering doing it before you got married or was it, like, as, yeah, we, afterwards? It was before we got married. We, we were, I helped start a brewery in Columbus, Ohio, and Katie, Katie and I were living in Columbus and, um, and we'd, it was like the polar vortex, like it was, it was just like demoralizing weather. And like, we, you know, I was kind of, I, I was kind of checked out at work and Katie was kind of checked out at work and we were kind of like, let's do this. What are we waiting for? So we just started to start the business, uh, you know, while we were still engaged. And I remember we would go to, uh, we go to a coffee shop or a bar during the day when we had our days off or whatever. And, um, we'd both have like, Katie was, um, Katie was planning the wedding and I was like leaning over her shoulder and had it input on the wedding. And I had the business plan up and she was leaning over my shoulder and had it put on the business plan. And we were just simultaneously planning our wedding and, and planning our business while we, while we were engaged. So what were what were like the biggest like the the biggest things that you guys were considering in planning in getting it started and getting it off the ground like what were kind of like the the i guess biggest um i know we kind of already talked about like your biggest hurdles in starting but like when you guys are sitting down to actually plan out like the details and, and deciding whether or not you're going to do your own packaging deciding on we talked about this a little bit before we went live on where uh how do all those decisions like how did you guys come to all those conclusions um, I think, well, there, there are certain different decisions, like, um, what kind of product do we want to make? Like when we started, we always wanted to do one thing and do it well. So we started with 
a semi-dry cider in half barrel kegs and that was it and and we we were focused on just doing one thing and doing it well and then when we mastered that or got that under our thumb then we were going to move on to something else so the product was always we always knew what we wanted and what we expected our product to be as far as our facility and you know where and and what kind of equipment we were getting i think that those decisions kind of form their themselves after we realize okay if we scrape together all of our money we have some friend family fools and you know this is how much money we have so what kind of facility can we execute responsibly with what we have and we've always just we've always just used what we had and did what we could so um those questions you can write every business plan in the world you can have all the projections in the world but um at the end of the day like those questions kind of answer themselves yeah that makes sense as you kind of get things moving that it would uh you know those things will uncover on their own and you kind of it's like oh that makes sense like this is just what it had to be you know as you as you solve one problem then the next one comes up and it's like oh well that's the answer to that and that Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense we mentioned before we went live about um, how you were, how it kind of came to be the location of, of where you guys are at. Uh, do you want to tell that story? Yeah. Um, we, we were, so originally we were in like the old, like we started this in a broom closet, but it was kind <laughs> of, it was kind of like that. It was a back room of a, a warehouse, um, just North of the city. And we, we kind of proved our business model and we were like, we need our own facility. We need better facilities so that we can bottle and do all these things that we want to do. And so we started looking and everything was just so expensive. We were just like, you know, we, we had a broker and he was driving us around in different places and, you know, we have to make sure that the ceilings are high enough, that there's drainage, that there's enough electric, that there's adequate water supply so that we can, run our business and it just seemed we looked forever and it just seemed like it's never going to happen and we came to this building the old schwinn bike manufacturing building on the northwest side and it was like scary it was not in good shape (laughs) (laughs) building was falling apart and still is but um but i couldn't really see it like i couldn't even use my imagination but then came back with the broker and met the landlord and they were saying like they could help us get the building into shape and get everything kind of get the, the building at least to the point where we can move our equipment in and, and get things going. And once we started kind of looking around and say, okay, like this, this could be a tap room someday. And that can, that'll, that'll work for what we need. It has the right, it has the right, uh, right amount of the, the resources that we need. And, and yeah, we kind of just pulled the trigger. It was, it was terrifying, but we did. And luckily it worked out. The landlord has been great and got everything. Like once they cleaned the building out and laid the floors and the drains and everything, it was kind of like, okay, like this actually, this could work. This, this is, is our spot. Yeah. Yeah. This is the spot. Let's do it. That's super cool. I think that's important too, for like anybody who, if you're trying to, if you have like any goals, whether it's like business or not, I feel like being able to kind of like see what something could be as opposed to maybe what it is in the moment 
like you know have being able to even though you maybe couldn't right away after you start you know had the conversations gave it a, a chance and then then you can start seeing okay maybe we could make this happen like I, I think those are I don't know why stories like that are always like inspiring to myself because it's like everybody starts from from somewhere you know and to be able to kind of uh envision it and then and see those things come to fruition because now you guys do have the tap room and you have the production on the other you know on the other side of there so i think that's yeah. really cool really cool yeah i mean it's and it's terrifying i mean if you're not going out of your comfort zone right it's like this is totally a cliche thing that i'm going to say but if you're not going outside of your comfort zone like you're not going to get to that next level you're not going to get to where you want to be yeah you'll just um, stay where you are yeah i mean and i've done some freaky things like writing checks for ungodly amounts of money and I never thought I'd write, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and it, you know, it's worked out so far. So, yeah, that's, I, I can, you know, in starting your own business, there's definitely a lot of, uh, a lot of risk involved that like, I feel like everybody thinks that they understand until like they actually kind of go through that themselves. And then they're like, Oh, I actually have to, I have to do, I have to do what? And, mm -hmm. and I think those things kind of, uh, get a little crazy and I'm sure you, you can attest to that. Yeah. Yeah. Just what's, way, way outside my comfort zone. <laughs> so many times. <laughs> what, what's been like the, the, um, biggest leap of faith, maybe aside from the choosing the location that you've had to, uh, take as a business owner? That's a great question. Well, I mean, starting the, the tap room was a leap of faith especially this location is a little off the beaten path so it is a bit more of a destination so that that was a leap of faith it, it's worked out it's definitely it's definitely brought a lot of people in here and and helped us you know from a you know profit profitability and revenue standpoint i said just some of this equipment like bottling buying a bottling line buying a canning line like all these little like seemingly little decisions that you make like um it's hard. I think buying a canning line during the pandemic is probably one of the crazier things that we've done. But <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine that that got a little crazy. Yeah, it's like our business is uh, our business is 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 like really not allowed to operate at full capacity. We're not doing as well as we thought we'd do. Let's double down. Let's just buy a really expensive piece of equipment, and yeah. that's going to make everything better. <laughs> that's nuts. Yeah, that's. I, again, but that's that that goes back to being able to like see what it what it can be as to, opposed to what it maybe is in this moment, you know. And I think that's you have to have some sort of foresight to uh, and 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 sort of almost um, in like this confidence, almost like an almost it's not arrogant, but almost an arrogant confidence, like belief in like what I'm doing. I believe in this. I think it can happen. I I know it can if we if we really put everything into it. I think it's. I think that as the sentiment of a lot of people in this industry right now. Like if we can just get through this, we can just get to the other side of this pandemic. Like it's going to be fine. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's hard sometimes to, to, it's been a discouraging year, you know, specifically um, business is hard enough, but it's been discouraging and can't, oh, you can't help but question yourself a lot especially right now but i do i do have that faith that once once we get through this it's going to be bonkers so 
Yeah, that's super cool. I saw you guys were were uh, were featured in the Chicago Tribune. Um, how long ago was that feature? Um, you're gonna have to be more specific. <laughs> I, 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 uh, <laughs> um, I, I saw it on your website. It looked like it was decently recent, but yeah. Uh, so we we got a nice write up when we opened the, the tap room in 2019. Um, Katie and I were on the when we first opened the business. We're on the cover of the the Red Eye, which is was a which was a, a daily newspaper that they used to, you know, give out at the, the train stations and stuff. Um, oh, super cool. Yeah, that was Katie. Katie lost her mind. Like, I, I mean, it was cool, but yeah. like Katie was uh, going to work. She was carpooling with a coworker. She was going to work at the hospital and she was like, they were at a stoplight and somebody was walking across the street and had the red eye. And on the cover of the red eye was a picture of me and Katie. And she was just like, Oh my God, pull over, pull over. And she like ran out at the nearest red eye, um, like outlet thing. And she just grabbed like a stack of them. She was like, Oh my God. That's crazy. Yeah. That's a super cool feeling. That's gotta be awesome. There's something cool about like seeing, seeing your stuff in print. I mean, I know it's, it's a, it's a dying, uh, dying industry or whatever, but like, being in the newspapers it's a pretty cool thing yeah it's cool to get that recognition for for all the hard work you guys are putting in and and you know again having the foresight to to kind of keep going through through harder times i also um saw that you guys have a, a collaboration with with guinness um, we, is that still yes. going on that was something that we've done we do every year we we'll we'll get some guinness and we'll float guinness on our cider um there's a like right there there's a poster for it um cool cool but yeah it was more just kind of a city of chicago thing we were friends with the the reps over at guinness and we're like let's do something let's do the chicago black velveteen so we got cool signs made and we had a few bars and restaurants in chicago that um that rocked the chicago black velveteen um that's super cool that's super cool yeah and we we had when we first moved into this building in like 2016 or something. We did a collaboration with Jenny's ice cream. So that was pretty cool. They did a hard cider sorbet. And so we've been able to, you know, to have some cool small wins, I guess. I'd take those as big wins. Those are cool. That's really cool, man. That's, that's, that's incredible. Um, what, like, would you, would you ever like, obviously, you know, it's, it's, you don't know how this would happen or whatnot, but if Guinness was like, we want, would you ever let anybody buy your company from you? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's, I, I always wonder. Cause I, you know, a lot of people it, it's, it's um, I think there's a lot of like smaller breweries and I, I don't know, you know, specifically for cideries, but um, I know there's a lot of like smaller breweries that they kind of get to a point And then one of the bigger guys comes and scoops them up. I didn't know if that's something you would be interested in. Yeah, you know, it's it's hard because this is such a personal thing. I do mm-hmm. think we have a good brand that kind of supersedes, like, I don't know, that is bigger than just us, right? Like, it's called Right B Cider, but, you know, the brand, it's not it's not like Chicago Cider Company, right? So it, I feel yeah. like it can it can work um, regionally, nationally, whatever. Um, but, I, yeah, I mean, I don't want to sell my soul. This is This is definitely, like, a part of us so if mm-hmm. if an opportunity like that ever did come along like 
obviously we're going to have a conversation and, but I do think that Katie and I would always want to be, you know, involved in what, what happens, um, even after that occurred. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm always curious. We're so far away from that, Darren. It's not even funny. Like (laughs) (laughs) that's fair. Hey, that's fair. I just, I'm always, I'm always wondering, um, you know, it's something, something definitely to think about. Um, because it's, it's, yeah, I mean, I daydream all the time. So (laughs) that's fair. (laughs) That's fair. Um, when, when you're doing like a collaboration then with, with Guinness, how, how, what is the, the black velveteen? The black velveteen is, um, we take our semi-dry cider and then, you know how you make like a black and tan or whatever you can float it on. Oh yeah. Like a, um, harp or some people float it on like blue moon and stuff like that. We mm-hmm. just floated on our, our semi-dry cider. So, um, we, yeah, we got in t- contact with the people over at Guinness and Constellation and they had to get approval from, you know, their corporate team or whatever. And we tried for a couple of years to get something in the works where we did some sort of, you know, partnership or collaboration with them. And it finally, eventually it, it, it came through. So, um, we were yeah, able to do that. That's super cool. That really, that really super cool. And as someone like I, I was doing like a lot of craft cocktails for the past couple of years, obviously when the pandemic hit sort of couldn't work in the bar anymore. So got a different job, but, um, it, it just was, uh, that interested me when I saw it on your website and then you explaining exactly what it is. Cause I hadn't quite heard of, of specifically that, um, we, we got to do a lot of fun stuff like that. And I was curious as to like what, uh, a big, are you more of a beer guy now or cider? Are you more cider now now that you do cider? Um, I, I still think, you know, my beverage of choice is, is beer, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you what, like, I feel a lot better. I feel a lot better when the next day, if I, if, you know, if I have a few, um, when I drink cider and there are some, I like our rosé cider or blossom cider. I think I'd, I definitely prefer drinking that over most beers. Um, mm-hmm. I've been kind of lately. I've been kind of burnt out on some of the beer scene. Um, yeah. Some of the really you know big IPAs and adjunct stouts and stuff like that. So um, that makes sense. Well, it's yeah, good that been, you have the alternative right right at your disposal. <laughs> you know, it's right there. Yeah, I try not to. I, I I've, I've been I've been a good boy for the last you know few weeks especially but been really focusing on taking care of better care of myself and and trying not to to drink you know drink too much um or you know at least not during the week or anything like that so can't um, indulge in the uh in the goodness that you're making i just yeah tough sleep is just so uh it's just such a luxury these days especially with kids and everything i'm just like if i have an opportunity to get like a good night's rest like i need to to have that gotta so, jump on that one that makes sense made a, made a decision <laughs> <laughs> that's that was that's probably the right decision that's that's good that's really yeah. good what um if you're gonna drink a if you were gonna drink a cocktail what kind of cocktail would you uh lean for or do you not um yeah i don't drink hard alcohol that much but i i i tend to like um like the the brown liquor more than anything so okay. like uh probably just an old-fashioned yeah something like Very that cool. old-fashioned yeah. manhattans and whatnot yeah when i so i i drink very fast like even if i'm drinking like a glass of water or like 
it doesn't matter if it's water, beer, cider, cocktail. Like I drink really fast, so I have to stay away from cocktails because it just goes all goes down at the same speed. So yeah. <laughs> so when I do harder. drink a cocktail, I need to drink something where I know there's booze in it because otherwise it'll just get away from me. Mm, that makes sense. So no flavored martinis for for Charlie. No, no, no. <laughs> that wouldn't go no. over well. <laughs> no. That make, that makes sense. Um, you know, I I we're we're getting closer to that to that hour mark, Charlie. I want to first off, um, thank you for for being here. And is there is there anything else that people should really my listeners or anybody else that maybe hears this as this this goes on to the the void that is the internet uh, should know about you or Right Be Cider. Um, I don't know. We're nice people. We, uh, make a great product and, um, you should, uh, should pick some up sometime. Um, I mean, you know, we were talking too before about like more the experience of starting a business. I think if anyone's, if anybody's crazy enough to do it, like, um, just, you know, it doesn't happen overnight and it takes a lot of work, you know? Um, what's the sacrifice? What's the biggest thing that you wish you knew when you were starting that you kind of, that you figured out now or that you you know you feel like you've got a grasp of now? I biggest thing I wish I knew. I I think I think I this is just me and Katie's Katie's a good yin to my yang on this but like I I um I think I wish I I had been more patient with everything and I make make decisions really, really quickly and I, I I move towards those decisions fast and I think um, over the years I've kind of learned to take my time with decisions especially big decisions and and kind of work through it and make a better educated decision and and take my time with things and so I think that would be the biggest thing, probably patience, right? Patience. Wait, wait out, weigh out all the options. Make sure you're making the best decision for for you and your business. That that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Do it right. Do it right the first time. <laughs> so you don't have to go back and fix it. That makes a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah. Um. So this, you know, Charlie from from Right B Cider. Uh, appreciate you being here. Appreciate you coming on the show. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. This was this was this was good. Very informative. Um, I hope to uh, get to come out there. I don't personally drink, but I can bring some people, and my girlfriend definitely wants to try it. So I'm designated driver uh, cool. right there. So we'll have to come out and, and uh, check it out in the tap room and whatnot. We can drink. We can drink water together. You can be my good influence for the day. Perfect. Perfect. That sounds great. Well, uh, I want to thank you again, Charlie, for being here. Thank you to everybody who tuned in live or who's listening this the day after on Spotify or watching days after on YouTube. Um, also want to say thank you to our patrons who should be up on the screen right now uh, for supporting the channel. If you guys want to become a patron uh, and support the channel for as little as a dollar a month, um, you can go to patreon.com slash Darren Rita, and we post a lot of exclusive content over there. Um, also want to say thank you to Kenosha Auto Insurance for sponsoring this episode. And this has been the 95th episode of the Detox Podcast. I will see you guys next week.